up a seat at the bar to join us for another episode of McAnally's Pubcast, a podcast exploring the fun and fantastical mind of Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files series. Host Tanzan, Maggie, and me bring you another round of literary analysis on this immense, immersive, and colorful environment inhabited by Harry Dresden, the world's only licensed private investigator and professional wizard. Join an active and engaged community of new and die-hard dedicated fans focused on the fabulous themes, theories, characters, context, lore, and more. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 10.1, That Kind of Day, where we are covering the novel Death Masks. My name is Tanzan, and I'm joined by Maggie. Hello, hello. And Jess. I didn't prepare anything. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, for now. (laughs) Harry Dresden, Chicago's only practicing professional wizard, should be happy that business is pretty good for a change. But now he's getting more than he bargained for. A duel with the Red Court of Vampires champion who must kill Harry to end the war between vampires and wizards, professional hitmen using Harry for target practice, the missing shroud of Turin, a handless and headless corpse that Chicago police need identified, not to mention the return of Harry's ex-girlfriend Susan, who's still struggling with her semi-vampiric nature, and who seems to have a new man in her life. Some days, it just doesn't pay to get out of bed, no matter how much you're charging. Oddly enough, or whatever, this is the book I have read the least amount of times. I don't remember if it was, you know, whatever was going on in my life at the time, or just that this book was a little darker or something. I just remembered, like, it, the events of this book bothered me more than, like, the other ones. It was not as supernaturally removed or whatever. It was just, like, this is just nastier stuff. And, yeah, and it just kind of, like, disturbed me, and I was like, it was a good book, it was a good read-through, but I honestly, I skipped this one a whole bunch of times when I did read-throughs. It was just like, nope, that one was just too dark for me, I'm just, you know, I know I know what happened, I remember, I'm good, right? And, yeah, things like, you know, the first book I listened to a lot when it was like, uh, haven't you ever had pizza before? Of course I have. And you didn't share... Those bits were so much more better to listen to. Or like Summer Night with all the fun, freaky, fairy stuff and whatever, right? So, yeah, it'll be interesting because I really have only, I think, properly... I I remember for sure once going back on the read-through and I may have listened to it once or twice. But honestly, compared to like the 50 times I've listened to Stormfront, it's like three times for this book. So it's going to be interesting to... I'm excited to just be on into another book. New book, yay! New book. Right? Because yeah. about the only thing I accomplish these days is just books for this podcast Me now, too. right? <laughs> so, woo, we're on to our 10th piece of content. That's woo. all the dopamine I'm going to get until we get to number 11. <laughs> I went from reading 100 books a year to two. I really feel and that. And it's these two. <laughs> really, really, really feel that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you guys had just been re-listening to them over the past 20 years like I have been, you wouldn't have had to invest so much. You would have had Our time bad. for your other books. Mm. Meanwhile, I am on book three of the second set of Percy Jackson books. So Way to catch up. Yay me. And that's just in like the last couple weeks. What I'm really excited about getting into this book is that I finally sat down and read the original Dracula last month. Uh, so I had 
a lot of fun going ding, ding, ding. That's why this lore exists. That's why that thing's a thing. Being able to be like, oh, this piece of lore in Supernatural started here with the original Dracula. Oh, this gay gone like The Simpsons started with this piece of lore on Dracula. <laughs> that, like, yeah. There was a lot of like reading through Dracula and being like, oh, this is where that originated for this other thing. I, Because I kind of like, you've always, I've always known what Dracula's about, right? You know yeah. the pop culture enough, right? Yeah, it's kind of the gold standard. Right. But actually reading it for the first time, interesting. Not sure that it necessarily holds up to like... 21st century ideas of being scary. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cheesy, honestly, whereas apparently it was read much more seriously when it first came out. And for me, I was like, wait, that's a direct quote. I thought that was like a cheesed up version for like Hotel Transylvania, not like <laughs> a direct quote. <laughs> so there were yeah. certain parts that I was just like, all right, we are definitely desensitized to some of this horror, but definitely. As like you said, the gold standard, gold standard OG. Yeah. Dracula, vampire, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's fair too, because like, as we were talking a bit in Full Moon and stuff like that, where he's like, you know, back in the day, wolves were like the scariest thing people. And again, right before as much science and stuff like that, I was like, I think there was a lot more people, you know, believing in that supernatural or that as unexplained as unexplained things. So I can see a lot of that again, where Dracula would have been scarier the first time around because there might have been more like, this could happen. Like, what else would this be other than <laughs> much less saturated content? Mystical bad <laughs> yes. guy popping up out of the, yeah, right? So, but yeah, no, it is interesting. I I know because you, you revisited some of the original Dracula and Frankenstein on movie night and Halloween and stuff like that, too. And it's like, yeah, they are kind of. Really I'm going to suck your blood. Yeah. <laughs> Please. That's my kink. It's like, it's like, it's literally so much of that shit now is people are just like, yeah, I'm a furry now. Werewolves are awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> The only thing that gets me every time is is when Frankenstein meets the little girl. Frankenstein's monster meets the little girl. And it's all like, she's like, oh, and like, wow, and let me give you a flower. And he's like, I don't know what to do with this. Chucks her out into a lake and walks away. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Disturbing, but not like, you know, horror gore. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah. Anyways, it's it, even though we're dealing with the red court and not the black court, which Shaquille is black court, it was still interesting to get that finally down. Now I know for sure. Right? Oh, you've done it. Check it off the list. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. As for this book, though, I don't really know that I was very afraid of it as you were. I don't know. I It's, for me, about in line as all the other books. I enjoy it as much as I love the whole series, right? It's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm not afraid of it or anything like that. It's got enough comedy in it, I think, as the other books do, that even it out. Well, and that's the thing, right? That's where, you know, as we go through it a little more, um, you know, I'll have to see if bits and pieces stand out more. And I mean, I know... You know, I can think of a couple of things coming up that I know, again, for me is the more disturbing type of stuff. But I'm like, again, that's why I say I'm like, I don't know if there was like other stuff going on. And, you know, if it was a already specifically like traumatic, depressing time that I read this, in which case it was just like too much. And so that's why it's flavored with that or whether it's the book itself. But it's the same thing for me. Things like, like why I don't really like like psychological thrillers or or seeing you know anything to do with like mental institutions or kids or anything that are based off of like real you know because i'm like that's just too disturbing i don't want to think about you know seniors and and you know mental head you know being like abused and taken advantage of and same thing and like psychological thrillers is more like well this shit could happen you know blood and guts and gore fine you can chalk it up to being fake right like i don't live my life in daily fear that frankenstein is going to jump out of the shadows at me right i'm like 
maybe there's shit, but honestly, it's not, right? It's, it's, whereas I think some of the things in this, right, it was just like, you know, even the first couple, you know, just first chapter or something, and they describe one of the bodies they found, and you're just like, that's just, oh, that's, you know, and so it could be just that, like, sort of the realism of moments in this book that way. But anyways, yeah, we'll see as we go through. I might be like, I don't remember any of this being, I don't know why this bothered me at all. Or I might be like, oh, yeah, this scene. <laughs> Guess we'll find out. Guess we'll find out. And we're surprised because I don't remember the book at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just like fresh trauma every time for Tan. <laughs> Goldfish memory. That's me. Tenzin read the blurb and was like, is that this book we're doing? <laughs> really? I don't remember any of these things happening. <laughs> One of these days, let's just slip in a non-Dresden Files book for Tenzin to read. And you <laughs> and yeah, it you'll be like, the really short story for this week is this. It's from like a different perspective and yeah. <laughs> That's how we're going to get you to read a new book. <laughs> Three! This is from Michael's perspective. Ooh. Right? It's the Bible. It's <laughs> God, this book is huge. <laughs> It's just a bunch of short story stands, and you only have to read this part to this part. <laughs> Thank you to our Patreon subscribers for your generous support. It's people like you who help us do what we do. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, sign up today and get a fuck ton of bonus content, kick ass merch, behind the scenes outtakes, and more. Sign up today at patreon.com slash free flow rambling. Chapter one. Dresden appears as a guest on the Larry Fowler show along with Mortimer Linquist. In a surprise move, one of the two mystery guests turns out to be the vampire Ortega, who proceeds to challenge Harry to a duel to end the war. In his anger, Harry accepts the duel, but loses control of his magic, taking out all of the studio equipment. The second guest, Father Vincent, confesses to also attending the show to gain Dresden's ear. <laughs> so I wrote down death masks, but when I first started writing it, I, I, I accidentally wrote desk maths. <laughs> Okay, oh, that is horrifying. That would be more scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd shut that book right away. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> no wonder you don't want to reread this book. Right, right. Makes sense now. Uh, which is funny because, again, reading all the Percy Jackson books, the big one of the biggest traits they um, generalize between all the demigods is that they're all pretty much like ADD and dyslexic in that. And it's like the dyslexia comes because they're all hardwired to read like ancient Greek. And they're all, like, ADD, because that's, like, their latent battle skills, just, you know, always trying to take in everything at once and be prepared for anything at a moment's notice and stuff like that. So it's, like, so it's just another form of the dyslexia coming in. We're just gonna <laughs> Desk masks. Desk masks. Oh, Max. God, no, 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 no. Right. Um, so we start off with Harry at uh, the Larry Fowler show with uh, Mortimer Linquist. And, uh, and then we find out there's going to be two mystery guests we don't know anything about yet. Yes. Yes. Larry Fowler. For some Fowler. reason, I thought Larry Fowler was a real person. Like, a real reference. Yeah. Almost. Very close. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, that's probably Larry King I'm thinking of. Oh, that could very well be. Yeah. yeah. Did a lot of interviews. Not generally quite the same medium as this, though, I don't think. Yeah, like. <laughs> this one feels more like <laughs> Phil Donahue kind of thing. Remember yeah, that Do guy? Dr. Phil. Very, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the... Experts or not so experts, but either way. The, yeah. The platform. Montel Williams, Jerry Springer, Donahue, any of those... Any might, of all those sort of fake, uh, <laughs> trashy reality shows like Let's Lair All Our Dirty Laundry. And so, yeah, where you either get all the I'm sleeping with my best friend's sister's wife, uncle's cat, or... Um, you know, <laughs> that was a hell of an episode. That went, that went dark. <laughs> when they brought out the cat and the sister on stage at the same time, oh man, <laughs> fur flu, and uh, or else you get exactly like the psychic mediums and the you know seancey and the I'm a this that and the other thing exactly right where it's all just that tabloidy. But yeah, it's funny because you don't really yellow ex- page TV. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like yellow journalism. This is there the yellow goes, journalism yes. of yes. Very much so, right? So it's kind of funny because we have had one brief mention or one or two brief mentions to this in past books. Like there's something about, I feel like almost Lydia or somebody like that made a me- mention of him. Oh, she or no, no, um, Meryl says it like in the last book. She's like the, um, yeah. the hit, you know, the hitmen think you're this and the, the normies think you're this and the whatever think you're that. And Larry Fowler probably just wants you on the show again and da 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 da, right? And, and yeah, I think either him or Susan or something has made another comment way back that that's, you know, kind of where he came to attention. Because when he got there, he's like, he needed to make a name for himself. He needed to drum up business. And so, you know, again, when you put yourself out there as the only wizard in the, the phone book, you know, it's like, Again, most people aren't really going to find you there because very few people are going to go look up wizard, <laughs> you know? So Life's hard when you're not on Google. It's right. So, yeah, that was, you know, the opportunity or whatever then and there is that he did a stint. And, of course, it went, I mean, I don't think Harry was particularly surprised either. But, you know, of course, everyone went much as, as Larry introduces him. Oh, sure, you're a wizard. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, right? Well, I found it funny, though, because he's like, he, said, he mentions that because he does say he was on it um, and he says it had been a mistake I had to fight my way uphill against the tide of infamy I'd received from the association with the show so why do it a second time that's the first thing I was like what, what? why are you well, back agreed. why the fuck are you back I mean, he does say why, but... Yeah, I was going to say, we find out very quickly (laughs) that the only reason is, exactly, is he needs to talk to Mort, and Mort's like, I'm not fucking seeing scene public with you, like... (laughs) Well, this is more funny, though, because looking at it from, like, how we are doing it, right, you'd have to think that his actual friends, like Michael and Murphy and Susan, et cetera, et cetera, would be like... Why are you going on this show again? He's like, it's the only way people will meet with me anymore since I started a war. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right? Like, so funny. Like, no one else They're all embarrassed. <laughs> My best friend, the wizard, keeps having to go on news because no one will talk to him in private anymore. <laughs> right? Like, exactly. So funny. Poor like, guy. We are going to go where there is a huge audience. Lots of witnesses. Lots of witnesses. And exactly. It's just so funny for me to be like. totally coincidental that we're both here. It's not our we fault. We both got Larry. Ah, Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Right? It's not our fault. We're the only, you know, supernatural consultants in town. And But I do like this little nod back to Morty, because we haven't seen him since Grave Peril, which is not far back. But, you know, we just sort of got a brief glimpse of him there when Harry went to meet him, and he was running away very quickly. <laughs> you know? So, turns out he stuck around, and... and not only that, but Mort has great stage presence. Yeah. He's awesome. Fabulous. Like, especially because, as we briefly saw before, but we'll see in the future, when he's his only audience is Harry, he gets pushed the hell around. <laughs> like, he gets stopped <laughs> instantly. So it's great to see when Harry shuts the fuck up, Mortimer has things to say. Yeah, he's very charming. Like, yeah. he makes a, that sixth sense joke, I see dead people. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, but seriously. 
seriously, Larry. You know, exactly. Yeah. And and this comes, I think, from both things. So we look because this is part of the problem with before it was that he was doing it mostly as a show, as a con and stuff like that, right? You know, Harry initially refers to him as, you know, bilking people out of their money and, and he's like but you used to have real talent, like you've basically given it up because now you're just looking out to make a buck and you buy into all the, you know, he had all the cheesy Halloween decorations around his house and you know what I mean? But again, so I'm like, yeah, a certain amount of that exactly. He had to get good at putting people at ease, making them comfortable and finding a way to read them and make it seem like he was being all mystical and worldly and knowledgeable and stuff or otherworldly and Right. As Harry well knows, the people who really need him don't have the money. People who don't really need him do. <laughs> so Mortimer <laughs> made his choice and Harry made his. For, yeah, well, that's not a bad one. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. right? Dresden says he cast the suppression spell. And this is so fascinating to me. He's using magic to suppress magic, which seems to me like taking a fire and throwing some gasoline on it. it. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. That's I had that how do you note too. Like the iron. I know. That is, I was going to make that same comment. I'm like, I love that he's using magic to dampen his magic so his magic doesn't affect anything. It is a little. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's almost in the way of it's like, well, we don't want the whole city to burn, so we're going to douse the woods in gasoline. But the fire is willing to do both at once, right? It's like, <laughs> so I don't know how it works exactly, but it is an interesting idea, right? To be suppressing himself, hold it all within, you know? If this was like, uh, how do I explain? Not in Jim Butcher's control, and this was just in Harry's control, and Harry didn't know what the future of the bug held. Harry's choice would have been to just go out into a field and use up all his magic before he came on the game show so that he was empty because that would be easier than trying to do a suppression spell around himself, right? Maybe. But Harry's puppeted by a man who's like, you still need your magic for the next 74 hours because I'm not going to let you sleep for a long time. So <laughs> you're going to keep all your magic, but do a suppression spell. <laughs> yes and no, that could be. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, we have seen Harry get drained. But as far as that kind of works, like, again, it's that sort of natural... Um, conduit for magic and things like that. Like, just because he's kind of tapped out and can't chuck a lot of it around to be useful, would that necessarily negate him, like, zapping out your... You know what I mean? I still think so, yes, because it's all coming from the same power bank, right? Like, if he'd spent the entire morning making potions with Bob before he came to this show, I don't think he would have had quite the same, like problem, right? And if he'd used up a lot of his magical energies, he wouldn't need to be suppressing much of it because he didn't wouldn't have as much resources ready to go anyways, right? I guess maybe, but I mean like in the beginning here where he's being fairly calm, it's like it's a bit of a struggle, but it's not that hard. But again, as soon as any emotions start because that's what he says. He's like, normally that's what he uses. So but again, I still this is, think... This is a Harry Dresden thing, right? Elaine would probably be easily suppressing it, right? Not even have to worry about her emotions. Well, okay. that much better at that sort of magic, Maybe, right? Maybe, yes, yeah. But I was going to say, but that's the thing. Like, in Harry's case, exactly. As soon as he does start getting excited or upset or, you know what I mean? So I'm like, even if he was like... I still think if he spent the morning making potions, that wouldn't be a problem. If even he got upset and it was like, okay, I've got to hold on a little bit more. Because that is all his fuel. Be less yeah, I was going to say, that's what normally where I'm set up. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, same thing. I had that whole, the irony of, of the spell to suppress all his other spells was, nice. <laughs> you know, but... but I don't it know. It was an interesting choice. You know what? You know what? Maybe it's like... Um, preventing hypothermia, hypothermia. Yeah, maybe it's like preventing hypothermia or like delaying Frostbite. the inevitable by burying yourself in a snowbank because snow is actually like really good insulation, right? So they're like, if you're out, you can actually build like a little <laughs> quans, a little hut, a little igloo, 
by you know and then it holds in your body heat within it so maybe it's maybe it's that kind of a thing not like the double-sided foil or like all aluminum foil right but one side is shiny one side's not shiny yeah you're supposed to put the shiny food shiny part towards your food because it'll bounce the heat back at it back at it he's just like trying to bounce the magic back at himself before he can get out too far you know exactly this is just like his so like yeah like the dull side of his magic is facing the world but at least the really like shiny (laughs) part of his magic is going right back at him (laughs) there you go it's like his thermal blanket slash igloo heat barrier um <laughs> shows up naked to a set covered in a thermal blanket i need this or all your shit is gonna cr- crash and fail and i do love how they go right so morty does his little thing and he does he plays up the thing like oh give us an example he's like i think there's gonna be two more guests you know ha 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 right chuckle 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 chuckle, chuckle. and then uh he's like well harry let's see a, a, a you know an example and again right like you see some of this and you know movie hero shows and things and they're like but I'm like I do kind of like the way that Butcher has set all this up and blends it in because it does feel kind of natural right he is like he's like well I could but it'll like zap all your equipment and of course Larry's like oh haha of course it will you know meanwhile things are like shorting out we know like that's well established that's yeah exactly right but it's just you know because I'm like same thing like again if you switch back to like real life you know you're like wow it's so convenient that all the pictures of Bigfoot are just big blurry things from way away and all the pictures of UFOs are like sort of but you can't quite for sure you know what I mean like and again it's like yes it's sort of cheesy they had to come up with an excuse for why that is but I, I it, it does feel sort of like natural or organic or whatever like I like the way it's been set up that it's never sort of bothered me in this series that you know of course the one thing that would prove your magic on TV with everybody would completely short out all your equipment and you wouldn't actually get to see anything and who's gonna believe the you know 30 people in your audience that are like hey, no no I really saw yeah Right, so it's, it just works well with that back and forth mm-hmm. of like, oh, of course you can't prove it, but actually it makes, you know, well-established why. So, so yeah, so as he blows out the first camera or whatever is when we get the first inkling to, you know, that, that him and Mort are there for other reasons. That it, Yeah, he's not there to be. Like, as he puts, he's like, I've been on house fires. I've enjoyed more than this or whatever. been in house fires. You know, but yeah, you're like, oh, sneaky little bugger. You need info from Morty. And Morty was like, I'm not touching you with a 10-foot pole. Right. So. And we kind of figure out now because of this how Harry has been keeping tabs on Susan in the past. Yeah. Well, it's probably through, through um, Mortimer. Some of it was, Morty. yeah. Morty. That sneaky motherfucker. That sneaky motherfucker. And that, again, he's been rebuilding his legitimate. He's not just about the con and, you know, the cross my palms with coins kind of a thing. Is He's actually taken a step back. And because I have a feeling he, Harry made allusions to him, like, drinking and stuff a lot before, too, trying to drown out all the right. So it seems like he's cleaned up his act a little bit. He's like, okay, fine. I can't just ignore this part of my like these these senses I have and whatever, right? So he's taken a moment to pull himself back together, get back in touch with his legitimate talents and find a way to live with that and not be overwhelmed by it and put it. So yeah, you're kind of like, oh, I should more eat a little... Wow, Harry should bully more people into betterment. (laughs) I... (laughs) He benefits from it, really. Sadly, I (laughs) I know that is your philosophy on life, Jessica. (laughs) Nothing's gonna stop me. (laughs) And that's what I'm afraid of, but... It doesn't work that way for everybody all the time. <laughs> Sucks to be them. Yeah, 
really does. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Mortimer does share with Dresden that he's figured out um, about Susan, that she is alive, and he thinks in Peru, uh, which happens to be Red Court territory, so he's like, oh, what? Why? What? Why? Again. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, because <laughs> so yeah, again, it's like, that was the whole point of me starting this war was to save her, and like, now she's gone, like, right into enemy territory, like... Do I need to be worried? Is you know, like, mm. what does this mean? Why is she there? Mm. Very confusing. Very confusing. Well, and, and we also find out that Harry did start looking into her again because her, because Susan's editor had been asking about, uh, why, why have you t- heard from her? She she hasn't handed any any of her articles in for like two weeks and suddenly that they're late and dropped off the face so of the planet, right? So, so everything is kind of getting sort of. Suspicious with what, what's going on with Susan here. It was one thing when she wasn't contacting Harry, but the fact that like now nobody can get in contact with her is a little bit like, um, what's okay, up? Wait. yeah, right, exactly. Because yeah, he's like, I tried to respect her wish to not, you know, be contacted and to hunt her down and to, right. He was quietly, quietly sort of keeping tabs on a distance, just but yeah, exactly. This is kind like, of further proof too that Susan has no other family because it, it makes sense why maybe it hasn't come up beforehand, right? Like. They're old enough adults, they don't need to be introducing every boyfriend or girlfriend or date to their parents, right? But it's like, okay, the fact that they're not an option to go and ask about is just a little bit more further proof that, like, yeah, just Susan out there, so... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, right? There's no parents to check in with or no parents that have, you know, her, you know, exactly. It's like the editor is like, I don't know, suddenly, like, everything's... I'm gonna call been- her ex-boyfriend, because, like, yeah. I don't know, no one else has heard of him. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, everything has been coming in up to date at this point, even though Susan moved away from town and all that kind of stuff. It was, you know, and again, the, one of the few ways that Harry could keep tabs, because he specifically makes a point of that in the last book or whatever, that he's like, but her article's still coming in, so I know she's still out there writing, you know, and so, yeah. Well, so it's either A, that Susan can't write, or Susan doesn't need to write, and neither one of those is a weird question, right? E- if you don't need a job, what are you doing? And if e- you're dead, why? How? Well, what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and are you gonna stay that way? Or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, runs down Mortimer, no one wants to talk to Mortimer, gets on the Larry Fowler show, and Larry is like, well, I don't just want Harry and Mort. That's boring. So I'm going to book some other people that you also don't want to see. As you do for any good show, it has to have that tension, you know, that will they, won't they, or whatever. So we have the two. <laughs> will they, won't they? <laughs> Paolo and Harry. Okay, <laughs> On this week's episode of Love Island. <laughs> you know, specifically maybe in this context. But Susan, no one idea. told me you were coming back to town. What? Oh, why do you look like a short bald man? You're Morty. Um, but yes, you have to have that. You have the the wizard, the self proclaimed wizard, and the the other um, self proclaimed psychic. So, yeah, well, except that Harry kind of works as a psychic. It, is Morty billed as a psychic or just the seancey? Either way, whatever it is, yeah. A oh, wizard and a psychic walk into a movie studio. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. I was about to make the same joke. Yeah, woo! Everything. Ex- <laughs> a priest, a vampire, a wizard, and a psychic. <laughs> walk onto a set. Yeah, so, so we're introduced to the two mystery guests. Mm. Uh, one is Father Vincent from the Vatican, and the other is none other than Don Paolo Ortega, S. Duke of the Red Court, pretending to be a doctor and world-renowned researcher and debunker of the supernatural. Supernatural debunker. <laughs> I love him. I, right. I love Duke Ortega. Right. I love him. And I feel a lot for Harry in this next scene, because... This is, like, so much of my life in a nutshell here. And I'm like, 
the worst thing where, so like he's, again, they're like, they're here to disprove. So you've got the self-proclaimed magic users and we're going to be like, okay, come on, people, there's not really magic, right? You got to have that back and forth to make the show interesting. And, you know, Ortega's very cool, you know, it's like, well, I'm sure with a little time and effort, I could make everybody here believe I was a vampire. Cheeky, cheeky. <laughs> right? And Harry's like, you fucking fucker, like, he is, you know, and I'm like, this is, this is my whole, you know, I'm like, this is where I always find I get so frustrated, because I'm like, these people that are like that, you know, it's like, but you're a jerk. Why can't you just admit you're a jerk, but you have everybody else believing whatever, and you come up with all these stupid excuses and arguments to, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I just, just, in the movies, you know, eventually the hero gets to have the last laugh, or the last say, and they come back with that witty comment, or they, you know, pull some move, like, you know, like, like, Carrie Underwood gets to, like, beat the crap out of the guy's, the cheating boyfriend's car, and you know... In the song, she gets away with it. Nothing's going to happen because he's the cheater and he's going to come out and find out that somebody, you know, slashed a hole in all four tires and he's just going to have to live with it because he's in the wrong. But in real life, that never happens. And you're like, no, but seriously, like, why am I going to jail for slashing his tires when he's the one that pulled all this other crap in the first place? So I really feel for Harry here. <laughs> it's like, no, it really is. Understandably, alarm bells start ringing. <laughs> yeah. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> yeah. And in typical Harry fashion, you know, I mean, again, just for the setup of the book, you know, he pay, to totally pays attention to the guy coming and sitting down next to Mort. And, okay, we've got a Catholic priest here and blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait a minute. Who's this sitting down right next to me? <laughs> in arm's reach. Duke of oh, the Red Court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, like, did they, you know, like, did Ortega sit there backstage and be like, oh, put me next to the wizard? Right. You know, because what if he, what if they'd sent him out the other side of the stage and he had to lean all the way across Morty? To, it just would have been so much more awkward, right? So, it was like, just serendipitous that it worked out that way? Or was Ortega like, no, totally, like, I want that side. I, want well, that. I was going to say, like, most shows would probably put Mort and Harry together as, like, one side versus the other side, right? Or but the, not Larry Fowler. Gotta switch him up. That's right. He's got those <laughs> two in the middle and the other two flanking them to pound down all their arguments and beat out all their... Even funnier is if, like, the Duke wasn't like, oh, I want to be next to Harry, and Father Vincent was just like, just don't put me next to him. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing enough. I'm going to have to talk to him afterwards right. anyways. Just don't. Mm. Right. right. So Dresden starts to lose his, his cool and manages to lose enough control of that suppression spell that he, ki he kills another camera. And, and that sort of gives Ortega and Dresden a bit of a chance to incidentally talk. Lucky Harry. Right. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. real good of you, Harry. And yeah, it's like as soon as he realizes, he starts like fumbling. To, we don't get to find out what. I don't know if he's stashed, you know, again, some more sunshine in a hanky or if he's got a crucifix or something in there. Just wizard gadgets. Just wizard gadgets. And immediately Ortega's like, uh-uh, we don't need to go there. Let's not make a big scene. Meanwhile, I am like slowly crushing the bones of your wrist while I'm looking like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you. Why are you freaking out? I love how matter-of-factly he is. I've come to Chicago to kill you, Mr. Dresden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 
I've got a proposal that you want to hear, that you want to hear first. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to kill you on television. I want to talk about going somewhere else to kill you. You just have to agree to it. And there he's like, <laughs> I love his response though. You really need to work on your opening technique. I read, I read a book on negotiations. I could loan it to you. Right. <laughs> just cheeky. cheeky just monkey. so cheeky. Can't help himself. And especially because he does it like a second later too. They continue. And he's like, you really need to read that book. <laughs> he's like, this is. Not getting better. <laughs> Your pitch is not getting better. Yeah. I like it too because it stops here, right? Larry Fowler tries to get gain, gain control again for a moment. And it's like, all righty, like, Paulo Ortega, you really don't believe in the supernatural at all? And he's like, no, I can debunk everything. No problem. Yeah. Give me any supernatural weird thing. I've gone through it. No way. No way. Can't prove it to me. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And as they're going through this, right, you've just got Harry slowly killing off all the equipment. <laughs> yes, he's like stewing and getting worried and just not paying attention. And exactly right, this guy's earphones, that guy's camera. But you debunk the studio right now. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> this place is haunted. Right. And there's a fun little blip here, too. Um, I have the ebook and the audio. I'm going to assume it's in the print copy, too. But um, again, as we were saying, like, who's Larry Fowler based on? And you're like, gee, it wouldn't happen to be Jerry Springer, would it? Because it actually goes through. He's like, um, Larry, Larry, Larry. <laughs> right. There's definitely that part. But right here in this moment where he, he um, Ortega grabs his arm or whatever. And Harry's like, get off me or whatever. And he's like, you know, jerked his arm and they rolled away the smoking camera. And he's like, Larry nodded to him and turned to Ortega. Sorry about that. We'll edit that part out later. It's no trouble, Ortega assured him. Jerry paused for a moment and then said, Dr. Ortega. <laughs> so, oh. And there actually is that. And, and Marsters reads it that way, too. Like, it's kind of funny that he... Because, again, I could see maybe the typo getting... But it's, again, he's been like, Larry, 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 Jerry, Larry, 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 Larry. And it's just like, I funny that in the reading, in the printing, in the whatever, nobody caught that. still waiting for Matt to send me a picture of the real book. Yeah. So, yes, I was going to say that. So, that's the e-book version and the audio version. So, I'm going to suspect it's in the print copy as well. But I'm sure we will find out shortly. But, yeah, it's just one of those fun little things where you're like, gee, I wonder who this is supposed to be. So, yeah. It's that kind of TV show. Right. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, and this is, again, is where Ortega says, like, oh, I could totally make everybody here believe I was a vampire. Like, come on, it's so easy. Like, anything can be done with tricks and whatever, right? And Harry's just spiraling into, fuck you for making me look like a fool again. And, you know, when I already didn't want to come on here because of the last time. And now, especially because I know you're a lying, lying, lying. Vampire. Vampire. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, so then we get another disruption to the show and more. So he's going to do... I really like the one part when um, Larry's like, Harry, you look so pale. Do you want a drink? And Ortega's like, I know I do. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> what a creepy motherfucker. I hate you. I know. They do do, like, again, Ortega is terrible and horrible and, like, a high up. You know he's got mega power, but... Again, you kind of can't help but like it's like you know mad. He's on stuff with like, Harry though. Like uh, he just gives it as good as he gets. A little bit, but he's like so much more like refined and you know what I mean. It's just like he does. He has the digs too, and he makes all the comments. But he just has like this, you know, suave Latino type of style to do it all with or whatever. It's just like, oh Ortega. You jerk. But please, can we have more of you? <laughs> 
so yeah, so he lays out anyways that um that yeah, it's like I am here to kill you, but not really how you think. You know, he's like, honestly, this war is, you know, timely and costly and it's a whole big drag and you know what if you just let me kill you one-on-one we can leave the rest of it and harry's like that's stupid like why the hell would i do that like why would i agree to go up against you and he's like well you don't have to but we'll just start killing all your friends and family or clients that have ever hired you just for the misfortune of ever you know i mean again like as we know especially in his early days a lot of these people were just literally like okay i can't find my keys somebody said you could help me and now the vampires are going to come and kill you because you literally, you, you cannot yeah. keep track of your lanyard, you know? It's like, again, even friends of Harry, your family of Harry. At least they that, know what they're doing. They know what they're, they're doing. There's that them. immediate connection. There's, you know, Murphy is like, well, I've helped you specifically with Supernatural, you know, and, and things like that, right? But yeah, it's yeah. just... Random like, Joe blow off the street, you random know? Random Joe blow off the street. And of course, that doesn't sit well with Harry. <laughs> Right. Well, Ortega really has this kind of interesting perspective on on the war itself. It seems it's like we he 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 sees the the loss of life, the as a loss waste. of one life being worth saving several. Sacrifice other, yeah. the one to save the many, kind of. Because basically, his he, his theory is if we just kill Dresden, the war stops and the vampires are no longer left unchecked because they're distracted by the the war and they're doing all this unnecessary killing. Yeah, and he does make a good point. Exactly, they're, they're wilder or more bestial, you know, counterparts or whatever out there are exactly right. He's like, well, we're so busy waging this war and those of us that have, you know, brains and skill and strategy are busy facing off against the wizards and stuff to not get completely wiped out. All the other little minions are just running around playing havoc, you know, the cats away, the mice will play and they're just right... So he's like, yeah, he's like, honestly, again, has been a big note of, you know, any supernatural being in sort of any universe or whatever is the lay low and don't get caught, right? So it's like, the world still doesn't believe there's vampires because we're just picking off a few here and there, right? Whereas, again, if you're suddenly just so much more happening out in the opening, so many more people just randomly going missing, it's going to set a whole other spotlight on that and cause them all kinds of problems. Because, again, while they might not care about the mortal loss of life, they're like, ugh, this interferes with, like, our politics and our bid to, like, take over the entire world. And, you know, so can we just not, <laughs> you know? It's like we'd rather have our shadow games. So, yeah, it's kind of surprising that you think, like, why would they care? But he's like, no, this doesn't really work for me. He's like, yeah, we'll just let's just get rid of you. Let's just get rid of you. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, to be fair, very big offer you can't refuse. So Harry can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it like that, right? fuck. So Ortega does make the make the make his final offer is to face him in single combat. And as you said before, like otherwise Ortega will just start tra- targeting all of Dresden's friends and allies, and and we we find out if if Dresden wins, then Chicago becomes a neutral territory. Dresden makes the joke, uh, Chicago Blanca, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that one took me a second because at first I thought it was like Carte Blanche. Oh yes, yeah, 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 but, yeah. But then I, I did a little bit of checking on it in the forums, or like it's a Cas- Casablanca yes reference, which I was like, oh, oh. Uh, okay. yeah, because that's where. <laughs> Where Rick was hiding out and being in neutral territory in, what is it, Morocco? That's where Casablanca is, just to, yeah, when she finds him. I guess it would help to have actually seen Casablanca for... Yes, I did finally watch it at one point. Obviously not with you. I have yet to actually see Um. it. (laughs) Maybe I watched it by myself. That's entirely possible, too. It's hard sometimes finding people that still want to watch old movies. (laughs) 
Um, not surprised. But yeah, but the whole of I did find kind of find that like like Chicago's a big place. Like that's a heck of a neutral territory, and it just so happens to sweeten the pot for Harry that that's where all of Harry's friends and allies live. So you know, conveniently, we won't just not kill them. It'll actually be a safe place, and nobody will be allowed to go after them. Plus, your whole entire city of people, plus just the I don't know square footage. Like I don't really know how big Chicago is, but it's not that tiny. You're the Wizard of Chicago. Fucking own up to it. This is yeah, exactly right. So yeah, it becomes very appealing that again now they've broadened the circle, not just that you're gonna go after your friends, but now you're like your whole city can be considered neutral in this whole fucking war. And again, it is a duel. It's not I just get to kill you. Yes. There's <laughs> you supposed do have a to chance. be rules and standards or something yeah, in place for because he does he just say a, a part of the accords and that. I was gonna say, don't worry, Mab has a handle on this shit. <laughs> Which we yes, we have mentioned before. Again, we don't all know the specific details of it but yeah they have this monster human you know treaty accords da 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 so yeah supposedly it's all on the up and up it's just one on one fair good old fashioned dueling good old you know Indiana Jones takes out a pistol instead of a whip yeah (laughs) you know swords at midnight or noon yeah ten steps turn right Hamilton So, uh, so as so Dresden thinks over the duel, he begins to get really angry and, and just really starts to lose control of this suppression spell. It's just basically going on. Yeah. Gone out the window. He's like, I just fucking wanted to talk to Morty for five minutes and find about my ex-girlfriend. And now I've got fucking like vampires sitting next to me and they want to do duels and they want to take on the whole war. And I just. And boom, the oh. studio blows up. Every time that guy leaves the house. <laughs> I swear to God. Time. Uh, the building wasn't on fire for once. Or the building was on fire for once. It wasn't my fault. You're too early. You're too early. Too early. Too early. Cut that part. This is his fault. <laughs> yeah, this one is his. Uh, so yeah, everybody starts ducking and covering. Poor Morty gets schmucked in the head by a piece of flying studio shrapnel. You're the worst, Dresden. <laughs> You're the, the worst. worst. <laughs> You're the worst. That's like the one quip. I, I did watch Wednesday. I did thoroughly enjoy it. It was fun. But there is the one bit where she gets a little scratch on her. And it, it's fun and exciting in the thing. But all I can think of is I'm like, you know, especially all of these, like, you know, like that thing would be bleed like a motherfucker. Like they just have like a little scratch. And there's a couple of them. Like from, you know, that like head wounds are the worst. I'm like, she should have like a sheet of blood down her face, shouldn't she? Well, you, can, <laughs> you know, in the first Harry Potter movie, when they're playing chess, right? Mm-hmm. And they're throwing debris around. Mm-hmm. You can see on screen Rupert Grant gets really legitimately caught yeah. by the flying debris, right? He's not covered in blood, you know? <laughs> I guess maybe not, but it's just, the, you know, they always talk about scalp wounds and, like, again, yeah, I've been, you know, you get your cheek scratched or something, but they always make it sound like, it, you know, forehead and up and anything like that, like, you get, I you guess know, Rupert Grimms was just his cheek. Was not high enough on the face. I, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I have not suffered a lot or, or inflicted a lot of head injuries to test this theory in real life. I just know how everybody always goes on and on and on about how head injuries bleed a lot. Why are you looking at me like that? I've never hurt anyone and you can't prove it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. I think that one time that I got a head injury, I, I don't really actually remember if there was lots of blood or not because I was, you know, hurting. <laughs> hurting. <laughs> well, those of you that have sliced open your scalps. <laughs> You're no fun if you haven't sliced open a scalp a time or two. Right? 
I mean, I preferably your own, I guess. This is my alibi, too, right now. <laughs> Two for one, me and mom. <laughs> All right. Okay, see, I did slice open my chin. That bled a lot. I sliced open my chin, too. Oh, I my know. God. Twins. Not at the same time, guys. Just mother-daughter bonding 20 years apart. <laughs> and uh, um, I did on my scalp. But that would have been, like, right up in my hairline. But I'm sure a lot of that was, like, soaking into my hair. Oh, well, there you so go. That's how you got to do it. That would have been harder to, you know. And, again, Gage. I was, like, five, six, seven. I don't remember. But, Maybe yeah. watch where you're going. Oh, no, my sister threw a stuff. This is the best part. I love telling this story. Because I was, like, I, I literally, my older sister got mad at me. And didn't seriously want to injure me but wanted to express her frustration so she picked up a stuffed animal and chucked it at me and i went to the hospital for like four (laughs) stitches and she's like what the fuck is wrong but it just so happened that the one she happened to land on had a little music box in it and the little silver (laughs) ring that stuck out of the stuffed (laughs) animal to wind it (laughs) clipped me on the scalp Get fucked. And she, I know, and she's like, I can't win. She's like, I wanted to, but I didn't really want to get you, kill you. And she's like, yeah, by luck, I throw a stuffed animal and you go get stitches. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is going to be your life for the next 50 years. <laughs> wow, that was a curse, wasn't it? I love, you know, it's, it's, it's already been, it's, it's already laid out. Not the 50 years coming, as you know. <laughs> It has been steadily proving itself exactly. for the past 50 years. So. <laughs> Not that she's that old yet, quite, but so love you. She's a couple of years love away you. from freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's lucky. So anyways, yeah, so they hustle. So he helps. So the priest helps pick up Morty, and Harry helps pick up Morty, and they all shuffle him outside, and paramedics start seeing the people, and Larry is still pissed at Harry. I mean, it's kind of funny. I'm like, you invited him on this show, but he literally has been giving him dirty looks since, like, the moment he got there. Like, you know, like, Morty makes some smooth, you know, little dicey dead people. And Morty's like, or I mean, Larry's like, I love this guy. Harry's like, I'm here because you're paying me to be here. And he's like, play nice Dresden. (laughs) (laughs) Like Harry was helping himself. Harry's like, well, you paid me to be here. Like, I don't know. But yeah, every time something smokes or glitters is... We're all so team Harry, but if you met Harry on the street, you'd be like, that motherfucking asshole. <laughs> right? <laughs> Such like, a dick. dick. It's like, you really have to meet him at the right time in the right place. Yeah. Where he's like saving your ass from some, you know, bully the or whatever. The line between hero for- worship and I fucking hate this guy is so thin with this guy. <laughs> well, right? Because again, it's that line between are you the bully or are you bullying the bullies? And if you're bullying the bullies, that's fine. You, see, you can bully we people into betterment. <laughs> but you just got to make sure that, yes, yeah, you're not coming across him on the day where he's coming off the as bully. the bully, not the anti-bully. So, yeah, they all get to go. Oh, oh they do make a point, too, I should say, actually. they, they Harry agrees to the duel. He says, if you get it all in writing and everything like that. He's like, if it's legit on the up and up and up and on the up and up and up. Legit on the up gotta and up. Got to be extra sure with the red cord. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> And if you then, so he does agree to it. So Paolo's like, okay, we'll we'll be in touch. I'll have my peeps yeah. call your peeps or whatever, right? <laughs> I don't have any peeps. Uh, <laughs> You're going to kill all my peeps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So <laughs> like you got to hurry and have some before they. Um, so yeah, so Harry's like, I want to get the fuck out of here. I am so over this day. Like, I don't, you know, I'm like, okay, get she's not dead, but I still don't know what's going on with Susan and why 
all that's been different. Now I got this guy showing up. Now I got studios exploding. And of course, then the priest is like, wait a minute, we need to talk. And Harry's like, he's like, I must confess, you know, he's like, I didn't just come on the show just because like, you came specifically to see me and talk to me, did you? How did you know? It's like, just that kind of day. Like, what else could it be at this point? <laughs> okay, come with me. <laughs> the guy's like, and he's like, just come. You want to talk to me? I'm fucking leaving. You're coming with me. <laughs> so... Get in the car. <laughs> they have to walk to the car. What if he has his own car? I know. <laughs> How did he get there? Yeah, right. apparently. Cab. I, I'm just going to assume, yeah, you know, they already make a point of him having, like, that Italian accent, you know, heavy Italian accent, but, well, you know, so I was like, I guess maybe he just took it for granted that, you know, he's an out-of-towner or whatever. <laughs> he, he came in for the, yeah. Although, honestly, that's a heck of a budget if, you know, the Larry Fowler show can, like, fly somebody in from the Vatican to be on your Luckily, he go was up, coming already. Go up against this guy who says he could do seance. He, well, exactly right, but it's like you'd have to have another reason. Because <laughs> maybe they called like Saint Mary of the Angels, and Saint Mary was like, "I don't know. We've got some guy from the Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> He's in all week. Maybe he'll come say hi." <laughs> well, and in all fairness, in the Catholic Church, and I don't know all the ins and outs and details, but you know, there are priests, and that there are people that deal with social media, the media priests. I was gonna say exorcisms and demonic oh. things. <laughs> I'm sure there are TikTok priests too, but that no, was no, another no, point no, I was like, making. You know, like as, as has been well established, I work at 7-Eleven, and they say if anything ever happens at your store and the media gets sent, we've got a media team. Shut the fuck up until the media oh, team gets there. It's like yes. the Catholic Church. They have, we have media priests. Yes, they, they know exactly they. what to say on TV. What's okay to I'm say on sure TV? They, and how yes. to avoid the non-TV questions? They right? definitely have spokes spokespersons and representatives yeah. for all that as well. But I meant legitimately, and again. I'm sure it's not nearly as big a department as it may have once been, <laughs> but it is something that the church does still take seriously, you know, is that they, you know, their whole stance is there is a devil and shit can happen, and so there are demons and things and da-da-da-da-da. So it's, it's just kind of funny, you know, that they, they have this whole, you know, but we're like, we're just going to happen to send our big-ass expert who, because they say he comes from the Vatican and everything like that, which I'm sure is probably where they're, you know, biggest research high up. Please don't zap me with the bolts of lightning. I don't really know what I'm talking about here. But, you know, but exactly. He's, like, going to come all the way just to go on some little cable trash talk show to, like, yeah, debunk it. He seems his. pretty, like, well-connected to be able to find out that one dressed in is going to be on this TV show. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, it just so nicely comes together that more it's like, okay, shit, I'm not... Like, again, it was... What was the other thing in the last book where I was saying with all of... Oh, um, with, like, Leah's planning to, to get the sword and stuff like that. I was like, there's a lot of very Ways far outlying wrong. threads here that actually came to... Yeah, exactly, right? How do you know that Mort's not going to talk to him? and that Mort's going to pick a TV show in, as a cover to which Ortega can conveniently be, well, I was coming to challenge you to a duel. I'll get in front of the TV cameras too so we can't get each other there. And the priest is like, well, I was coming to check out all of this stuff and it just so happens everybody I want to talk to is going to be on this TV show. So sign me up too. <laughs> Larry Fowler just became a booking agency for Harry Dresden. <laughs> for like supernatural, like diplomacy talks or something. You want to talk to Harry Dresden, you get in contact with my TV show first. <laughs> Right? You audition with him first. If he thinks you're good enough for the show, then you can come to me with your problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is this like like the months and months worth of auditions for like American Idol that you go through all the producers before you actually get to sing in front of like Simon judges, and Paul yeah, and stuff right. like that, you know? <laughs> like, karma, serendipity, whatever. It's played its part. It's come together and Harry's off and running to his next adventure. This concludes our episode 10.1, That Kind of Day. 
Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and macanellies.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk.